Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a conversation about faith, music, and culture. Join Shine.fm's ministry director, Brian McIntyre-Utter, and his son, Jake, around the table for this week's chat. Welcome to The Kitchen Table. My name is Jake. And I'm Brian. And we are glad you are here with us today. A little rundown of the show before we jump in. Dad is dad. I am son. (laughs) I'm dad. You are dad. Yes. I went off to college. Dad wanted to keep having these faith discussions and we wanted to encourage parents and young adults and children to have these faith discussions as well. So we come to The Kitchen Table, quote unquote. Uh, It's actually a recording studio. There's a table. There is a table. But we just kind of bring conversations on faith and then music and then culture we have a special guest with us today yes it is my lovely mother Uh oh look out mom's in the studio hi mom okay so mom's in the studio today because we're talking about a specific topic that she has actually some level of expertise in so that's why i invited her to the kitchen table today mom's expert at something yeah hey she's expert a lot of things (laughs) she raised you you should be thankful for that she did that's a challenge in itself accurate so today we're talking about the theme hope in the midst of grief and i want to start off with this quote this is by author Molly Fumia. It says, grief is a journey, often perilous and without clear direction. The experience of grieving cannot be ordered or categorized, hurried or controlled, pushed aside or ignored indefinitely. It is inevitable as breathing, as change, as love. It may be postponed, but it will not be denied. That is so true. So we're going to talk about grief today, and I think we should just sort of set it up with our story of grief. Does that work? It works. You want to share the story of grief in our lives? I guess it started back in 1996. We found out we were expecting our very first child. We were thrilled and excited, and we were on staff at a church, shared that experience and excitement with the church, and then just a few weeks later, we found out that we had miscarried that child and were, of course, completely devastated. Then about another year later, 1997, right around the same time of year, we again found out we were expecting and a little cautiously optimistic, but still excited nonetheless. And then two weeks later, we again found out we had lost that child. And then two weeks after that, my mother passed away. She had been hospitalized for a heart surgery that she had had. We thought she was on the mend and doing well. And then she unexpectedly died. And I think that that combined with our miscarriages, I just spiraled out of control and went into a pretty dark depression. Our marriage suffered. My life pretty much shut down. I could only focus on my grief and what was happening to me and only me. I had kind of, when I think of grief, you know, you just kind of are looking at life through blinders and you can really only focus on what's happening to you in that moment and maybe just look for the next step. It took my husband pushing me and going to see a Christian counselor that made me realize some things that I hadn't been doing or that I should be doing and started to turn things around for us. And then just to kind of capsulate that, it was about a year after mom passed away that we found out again we were expecting. And needless to say, we were incredibly fearful and scared. You should be. I don't think that I really thought... thought that we were going to have this baby until I was about eight months pregnant when I, I read in that What to Expect, you know, book. At eight months, my child could live if they were born at that point. And so I think that's when I finally let myself believe we were having a child. And so... And then I said, what's popping? And not so many words, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So that journey of grief, I, it's, you know, there are still moments in my life where, you know, something big happens or when Jake graduated from high school or began college or went through some of the trials that every teenager goes through that I missed having my mom there to share those experiences with and what we call secondary losses, you know, the you know, the phone calls that I don't get to make, the Mother's Day cards that I don't get to send, or, you know, every time I smell vanilla, I think of my mom, and, and she used to wear vanilla perfume, and so every time I smell vanilla, I just, I think of her. And there's just so many different components to grief that it's a journey. Yeah. Well, they say it's an individual experience, and it it's is. different for everyone. It is, absolutely. And there are many uh, symptoms that can be shared when suffering loss. So I want to list off some of these, and, and if you want to jump in and elaborate a little further on them. But uh, here, here are some things that people share after suffering personal loss. They feel physically drained. They can't sleep at night. They become forgetful and unable to think clearly. There is a notable change in appetite. There's physical distress, like chest pains or headaches or nausea. They stay busy to avoid thinking about grief. So we immediately saw that with your father and that he immediately got busy. And, you know, even before the funeral happened, he made himself extremely busy. I don't know if this is the case, but uh, they eat, drink, watch television excessively. They participate in harmful activities. They have senses or dreams about the person that's passed away. They become withdrawn, lonely, and apathetic. And they're frequent sighing and crying just some symptoms of grief. Culture tells us to move past the process quickly. There's the stages right. of grief and then they're like, move through it quickly. But the fact of the matter is, it does not come and go in an orderly confined time frame. It's circular. It, you know, you might experience, you know, one stage and then you feel like you have worked yourself through that one and on to the next stage, but then something happens and it puts you right back to where you were. So it's just, it's a cyclical cycle and can just keep rotating over and over. And just because you've gone through one doesn't mean you won't revisit it at some point in your future. So how do we uh, embrace the power of grieving so that we can one day dance again? Well, I think in our world today, there is a big misconception between happiness and joy. Right. People feel like we have to be happy and we have to, you know, always have a smile on our faces. You know, when you lose someone that's close to you, like, you know, my mother or my children, I'm never going to be happy that I lost them. I'll never be happy that mom died or that we lost these two beautiful little babies. I'll never be happy about that. But the Lord has given me a joy that I can I can find joy in my grieving and I can I can be joyful that you know she's in heaven and she's pain free and she's you know not living here on earth and the the discomforts and and trials that she had here on earth she's she's walking the streets of gold. I think that's the difference that we have joy we can find joy in the midst of grieving. Yeah. Do you need to give yourself space then in the whole grieving process to actually work through the emotions that are involved with that? I and mean, what does that look like? Absolutely. I mean there are so many emotions to to grief. I led a grief share group at our local church, and there's one page in that booklet that just has some of the different emotions that you go through with 
with grieving. And I mean, it was it was probably five columns, and I can't tell you how many rows, but just the full page of emotions that you experience with grief. And there are moments of, of happiness, there's sadness, there's, you know, anger, there's denial, there's so many different things that, that encapsulate grief that you can't say that it's something easy to get through. I think another misconception with grief is that that you have to get past it. And you're not going to get past losing someone. I'll never get past my mom dying, but I have worked through her loss. I have worked through the emotions that I feel and felt and still feel sometimes of her passing. Working through something and working past something, if I go past something, then it, it kind of, at least in my mind, indicates that I'm forgetting it or that that I, I don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. And that's completely not the case. And that's usually the case for anyone that has lost a loved one. They don't want to lose those memories. And that's a lot of times why it's hard to move move through things is because we're afraid of forgetting them. We're fa- afraid of those emotions that come, that, that they're not going to be there. And there's the guilt and all of that that plays into that. But when we can journey through our grief and not be afraid of it and allow ourselves to grieve and give ourselves permission to grieve, then that's when we're going to find progress and be able to find and eventually reach that joy that the Lord has promised us in grieving. Now, there are negative emotions that come a part of this grieving process. And as followers of Christ, the church is telling us we don't, we shouldn't have those negative emotions. And so I think a lot of times for those of us that are followers of Christ, we sort of hide them. We sort of put on masks and try to hide our grief. God doesn't want that for us. He wants us to process this. Absolutely. I, there are definitely negative emotions that come from grief. I guess I've come to the realization, you know, it's been, oh man, how old are you, Jacob? 22 years. 22 years since we lost our, yeah, we lost our first child was 22 years ago. And one of the things that I have come to the realization of through leading grief share, through working with other people that have lost someone that are grieving themselves, one of the things that I have learned through all of this is that I serve a God that is big enough to handle all of my negative emotions, all of my negative feelings, all of my, for a simpler term, craziness that comes with grief. He's big enough to handle all of of those. He's big enough to allow me to be mad at him and angry with him for taking someone that I love so dearly. And he's big enough for me to yell at him and scream and I don't know that I would want to serve a God that wasn't big enough to allow me to have all of these emotions that he has put within me. I've got it. He he wants us to express those. And I think that when we bury them and when we, you know, stuff those down inside and don't share them with people, I think that that's when we start to get stuck in our grief, which officially, you know, the the terminology stuck in grief, that happens, you know, if you're still grieving like it's just happened and it's fresh, you know, three to five, ten years later, then you might want to look at, at some things because I would think you would be stuck in grief at that point. But I think that God is big enough to handle all of the ugliness that comes with grief. Yeah. As a person that hasn't really lost anyone super close, I know it's different for everybody, but like what is some common ways to like help someone who is grieving. Because I know a few of my good friends, also dad's friend, my good friend's dad died. My youth group didn't know how to deal with their grief. And so it's just like, are pointers, tips, I don't know. 
Well, I think one of the things that is most helpful is if you don't know what to say, don't say anything. Yeah. Because jokingly with, you know, our grief share members, I would always jokingly, although not really joking, it wasn't really, I was serious, but tried to make light of it, was people say stupid things. Now they say those things, I have to believe, out of the goodness of their heart. They're trying to find ways to help you feel better, to make you feel better. They're, they're, they don't know what to say, so they just say the first thing that comes to their mind. And, you know, when you're grieving, you're not able to process a lot of thoughts and things, and you react in such different ways that one person could say the very same things to you as another person. And the first time it's said to you, you can joke about it or you can, you know, receive it. This The very second time that somebody says the same thing to you, you can take it as being hurtful and insulting. And they could say it with the very same emotion and the very same words, but you just receive it differently. So a lot of times... I tell people, if you don't know what to say, don't say anything except I'm here. I don't know what you're going through, but I know you're hurting and I want to be here for you. Please know that you can come to me and talk to me. You can cry on my shoulder or we can just sit and be quiet and say nothing to one another. Um, I think one of the most helpful things that one friend of mine told me when I was in the midst of grieving, and I think at that time, I don't think she had lost anyone necessarily very close to her. She gave me permission to talk about my mom. You know, when you're grieving, you feel like all you do is talk about that person and you start to feel like people don't want to hear about them anymore or you don't want to make them uncomfortable because it's going to make me start crying or whatever. But Mm. my friend gave me permission to talk to her about my mom anytime I wanted. And that just freed things for me. I I don't know that we ever necessarily had any more conversations about my mom. I'm sure we probably did, but none that necessarily stick out. But just having that freedom of giving me permission to talk as much as I wanted to about her gave me a lot of comfort. Yeah. Is it important not to grieve alone? That's a tough question. I think it's important not to grieve without the Lord. Right. Do you mean alone as in with other individuals? You talk about grief share and support groups and those kinds of things. Oh, I think there's great value in support groups. I'm involved with several currently um, that are a huge blessing to me. I feel like being in a group with people that are experiencing or have experienced similar things with you and being able to share those feelings and the ugliness and the hurt, just to be able to express those is valuable. It's huge. Well, follow-up question to that. Some that go through the grieving process isolate themselves. Yes. And that's not healthy. No, it's not. There There are times when you do need to be alone in grieving. There, I mean, you, I think I had probably some of my ugliest cries at bed at night when I was waiting for you to get home from work late at night. I would just sit in my bed and cry. And for me personally, crying is very healing. Now, I know for you, you don't like to cry. And you, you know, there's so many reasons I'm sure to that. It's a guy thing. For you, crying is not healing. You feel worse about it. I felt better about it. And so I think you just need to do what you need to do, whatever helps you to get through the process. And I know a lot of times people are like, well, then I would just spend all day crying and I don't, I can't work and I can't get things done. And one of the things that, that we would recommend through Grief Share was to set aside a specific set amount of time to grieve. 
So, you know, if you, you know, at the beginning, you, you know, if you have so many things you've got to get done, you know, you've got to deal with thank you cards and you've got to deal with all of the legal issues of someone close to you dying and plan their funeral and plan this or plan that or whatever. But sometimes you just need to be able to take a moment or a long moment and grieve. So, you know, once you start getting back into the routine of things, sometimes it becomes more difficult to find that time. So if you can allow yourself, you know, when you get home from work, just, you know, if you have a family, just let your family know, I need 30 minutes by myself where I can go and I can cry and I can look through pictures and I can do whatever it is. I play their favorite music, whatever, and just grieve. And then you know, set your timer once those 30 minutes are up, then you can come back and go back into whatever you have to get done. Same thing for if you have to go to work. You know, I remember after mom died, I would be so distracted at work. It was so difficult for me to concentrate on things. And I wish that I had had grief share in that support group when I was going through that. Now I recommend to people, if you can find a time to just allow yourself to grieve, give yourself permission to get the dark, ugly feelings out, if you allow yourself that every day, I think every day that you do that, you'll find it shortens that time that you need to be able to get through all of those feelings. Over time, it will shorten. And you, you know, you may just need a few minutes or, you know, when Mother Mother's Day comes around every year, I, I just need a minute to breathe. I just need to cry and let it out. And then I can go on throughout my day and enjoy the day. But I always have every Mother's Day one moment, whether it's in church or in the morning before we go to church or whatever it is, I just need to give myself that time to acknowledge my feelings, to know that they're real and to embrace them and to to cherish that my mother meant so much to me that it has hurt so bad to get over it. It's kind of, it sounds kind of opposite, but you're not going to grieve over someone that you didn't necessarily care about. So the level of your grief is a, is a good indicator of how much you love someone. So to tie this up, conclude with this. Psalm 34, 15, David is describing God as a loving father who watches over his children and listens for their cries. God invites us to bring our honest grief to him. Uh, You talked about telling God you're angry with him for taking this person from your life. So don't hide your emotions. Don't ignore the pain. Cry, laugh, scream, knowing that God is right there with you. He's going to hold you in his arms while you heal. He loves and he cares for you. Again, we talked about not grieving alone. You need support while you grieve. Find individuals to walk with you through this journey, whether it's a loved one, a friend, a therapist, a support group, as we talked about. Uh, We need the ministry of compassion that can only come as we walk in community with each other. And then finally, don't lose hope. Trust that the season of grief won't stay the same forever. You know, there are going to be other seasons that will come. We have hope. We not only have hope that this season will get better, but we have hope as believers. Only a thin veil separates us from the ultimate destiny with Christ in heaven for eternity. There is no greater hope. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed. He will turn your mourning into dancing. Psalm 30.11 and 12. And that's our faith conversation. And now it's time to move into Music Matters. 
Okay, in Music Matters, this is a time where we celebrate the generational differences of music. We bring together songs that are new or that we like or that are recent or maybe are a few years old, and we just uh, celebrate those. But we also go back in time for our segment we call Oldie But Goldie. So new stuff from me today, brand new song from an artist named Corinne Hawthorne. You know I've who she heard is? that name. All right, well, she was on The Voice Season 8. Yep. Yeah, that's where it was. Uh, I met her when she came through town. Sadie Robertson did her event. She did music yeah. at that event. So she got a new song. This song actually comes out on a soundtrack for a new movie, The Kendrick Brothers. You know the Kendrick Brothers. Yeah. They're the two guys that do all, a lot of the Christian films. So they have a new movie coming out this fall. It's called uh, Overcomer. So we have a little bit of the story behind the song from Corin, and then we're going to hear a little bit of her song called Enough. The song Enough was inspired by the movie Overcomer which has a message that is so big on identity. So when we were writing this record, it was very scary to go to the place of asking ourselves, who am I? When I take away my gifts, my abilities, do I still know who I am? But when you strip away everything and you have absolutely nothing, you're still enough because of his love and his love should be enough for you. So I think it's really important that we get the message out to people that may be in a low place and may be feeling like they have not much to offer, that you are still enough because God loves you. Your identity is in the love of God. Yeah, I really like her style, her sound. It's really cool. My song, I don't do a new song. I just do a song of the week that's speaking to me. This one's not really new. It's Hillsong Young and Free, and it came out, I think I was a junior, which was three years ago. Yeah. But it's called Where You Are by Hillsong Young and Free. It's got a really techno-y vibe. I mean, that's just Hillsong Young and Free. But here's a snippet of Where You Are by Hillsong Young and Free. I do remember that song quite a bit, and it's a good one. Okay, it's time now for our oldie but goldie. So our oldie but goldie this week, we're going to go back to 1992. Seven years. Before you were born. Yeah. And the reason I picked this song, I, I remember this song, and uh, have you seen recently, America's Got Talent is playing right now, of course, this summer. Yeah. And there was a video of uh, Cody Lee. Yeah. Cody Lee, It's. I mean, this thing has exploded. We're talking half a billion views of this, uh, of this uh, performance. He is uh, autistic, he is blind, and he plays the piano and sings. And he has perfect pitch, according to yeah. the experts. There was a song that came out in 1992, and it was the number 14 song of that year by a guy named Bruce Carroll. And Bruce Carroll primarily is a Christian country artist, but he had some stuff that went over into the pop side of things as well. And uh, he put out a song basically about kids with special needs, babies born with special needs, Down syndrome, whatever that is. And the song is called Sometimes Miracles Hide. And so as I'm watching Cody Lee do that performance and knowing what's happening in our country right now with the abortion issue, there are a lot of miracles that are being ended before they have a chance. Yeah. And so I thought, man, this is a great song to bring back. Uh, so it's the number 14 song from 1992, just a segment here of Bruce Carroll, Sometimes Miracles Hide. Yeah, that was really good. 
that Cody Lee kid, though, he was so good. He was so good, wasn't he? He was very good. Yeah. All right, so that wraps up Music Matters. And it's time now to move into Culture Shock. So in Culture Shock, new movie out, new Disney live action remake of the Aladdin cartoon. I saw half of it. I know you saw half of it. Yeah. Because our youngest son didn't want to sit through all of it. It's it's the love story kind of thing. Yeah. He's into more of the superhero kind of Mm -hmm. thing, so he just couldn't keep him going. But nonetheless, uh, the actress who plays Jasmine, Princess Jasmine, her name is Naomi Scott. She is from the UK and uh, super talented singer, now actress, but she is a follower of Christ. And so we like to highlight in Culture Shock different things from pop culture and how people are making a difference. And so some uh, thoughts from her from uh, Naomi Scott playing Jasmine, Princess Jasmine from Aladdin says this, I don't know how I would do life without my faith. That peace that you know you're loved and valued is something that keeps me incredibly grounded, incredibly focused. Quite honestly, I don't see it as this separate thing, this add-on thing. My faith is just a part of who I am and what I do. And she talks about having her identity grounded in her faith and that helps her keep her priorities straight. She goes on saying, no matter what happens, no matter what somebody says about me on Twitter, whatever the future holds, to know that that doesn't define me is incredible. We've talked about identity on this show before, and so I think this is some great thoughts on identity. She says, to know that doesn't inform my identity in any way, shape, or form, although it's easier said than done sometimes, that's going to be the thing that keeps me going, keeping the main thing the main thing. She actually is the uh, UK ambassador for Compassion, the ministry Compassion. Really? Yep. And so uh, she's super excited. She travels to Africa. She's been in Rwanda to help pregnant women and new mothers get healthy starts for their kids. She's been to Ethiopia to visit one of her own sponsored children that she does. And uh, she currently sponsors three children with Compassion right now. And she talks about her range of creativity from acting to singing. And she says, music has always been her first love. It says, uh, she says, it's a part of who I am. It just happens that there have been other creative things and outlets and the acting has come to the forefront timing wise why she chose to be a part of aladdin she says it's 2019 and i love what disney is doing with their heroines i can remember sitting down with one of the producers and asking about their vision of the character princess jasmine and it really felt like we were on the same page we say words like strong that's a buzzword right now we say we want strong women but for her It's also about telling a woman's story, having a female narrative, whatever the female narrative is. And so super exciting for her, making a huge impact in this global blockbuster movie, Aladdin. So congratulations to uh, Naomi Scott, making a difference in culture, living her life for Christ and uh, doing an amazing job with it. So that's Culture Shock. And that brings a close to the latest edition of The Kitchen Table. Thanks for spending time at the table with us this week as we learn about hope in the midst of grief. We also want to thank my wife, Lynn, Jake's mom, for being a part of this and sharing her her expertise and experience, firsthand Mm -hmm. life experience with grief and how uh, she's reaching out and helping others that are dealing with grief. So we appreciate that. Um, Again, if you want to continue the conversation and you want to know more, if you want to communicate with one of our guests, it's perfectly okay as well. The best place to do that is go to the shine.fm Facebook page and then we have a group called the shine.fm kitchen table group. You can be a part of that kitchen table group and we can continue the conversation. You can tell us what you want to hear from us when it comes to future topics. We would love to get ideas from you and uh, just continue that there. So thank you so much for spending time with us this week. Have a wonderful week. Stay salty.
Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table on the Shine.fm podcast network from Olivet Nazarene University. Be sure to subscribe for more content delivered each week on faith, music, and culture.